Welcome, everyone, to the Robin Walter Show here on Red Sky Radio. God bless you. Probably listening to this on Thanksgiving weekend. Hope you are having a blessed weekend, and we will talk briefly about that. Uh, It's always a little bit of a struggle for me when the holiday precedes the radio broadcast. I think if I did a Thanksgiving program, it needed to be the previous week, but then it seems too early. People aren't quite there yet. So anyway, um, we'll skip that. We're going to go right to our good news. And I've got one piece of good news today, and I find this really just heartwarming. And it comes out of Israel, and it deals with an organization I had never heard of before called Efrat. Efrat, E-F as in Frank, R-A-T. Efrat, I guess we've got three or four different ways to say it. And I don't know which one is right. And this organization is a pro-life organization. Now, Israel has permitted abortion. I don't know exactly the parameters. But for a really long time, basically going back to about Roe v. Wade, uh, I think it was sometime in the 70s. And so some of which Israel has suffered is because they, too, like the United States, continue to offer up children as uh, basically a sacrifice and in the spirit of Molech and Ashtaroth, like we do, and uh, suffer the consequences along the way, which may include the Hamas attack. But that doesn't mean God doesn't deal with those who he is who's used to maybe spank them. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, Ephrat, uh, that's how I'm going to call it, is a pro-life organization formed in 1977, which is why I want to say that's about when Israel... Uh, embraced, if you will, the killing of the unborn. And they contend that they're, uh, more or less, they have saved about 85,000 babies. 85,000. And my guess is some of them were Palestinians, uh, maybe Muslims, but probably not. Because Muslims don't kill their unborn children. This is just kind of one of those areas where Islam exceeds modern-day Judaism and modern-day Christianity, so to speak, or certainly Israel and the United States on certain moral issues. And I say that because um, Christianity of 100 years ago would never have supported that, uh, nor Judaism for that matter. But uh, 85,000 babies. Now, why is this? That That's good news in and of itself. But they have recently identified the fact that some of those babies that were saved were met mostly men, probably maybe a few women, I don't know about that part of it, that are fighting in the Israeli Defense Force, the IDF, to deal with the Hamas attack. Isn't that something? So this organization formed to protect the unborn some of them that were saved in the protection of the unborn are coming around to protect the born. 
the people of Israel. I, I love this. I mean, this there's beauty in this. I guess that's really the right word for it. There's beauty in the fact that the sacrificial effort by this organization for 45 years and the children that were saved, the children that were saved, some of them are the ones that are now saving Israel. Boy, I'll tell you. And you start thinking about that, go a little deeper on that, how many diseases would have been cured? I pick your disease that still plagues various parts of the world. How many of those diseases might uh, have been cured had the person that God had desired to perform that work not been executed in the womb? I don't know. You could get carried away with that, and uh, that's as far as I'm going to go. But I think this is, I love that piece. I'm, as I mentioned, this is Thanksgiving weekend, and I'm going to make a few comments, which I think are better made in arrears, as we lawyers would say. And and that is the modern day, the cultural Thanksgiving here in the United States is pretty doggone sad. I mean, it's just, I don't know how else to say it. Um, in the modern day Thanksgiving, when you ask people, what, what do you give thanks for? It's always, what do you give thanks for? Well, I thank God for my mom, I for my dad. I thank God for my wife, for my husband. I thank God for my children. I thank God for my uh, friends. I thank God for my job. I thank God for our, our... Actually, that's not really the way mostly say it. They don't say I thank God for it. They just say I'm thankful for my mom and dad. I'm thankful for my friends. I'm thankful for my, my spouse, my children, my job. I'm thankful for the military. I actually misspoke that a little bit. What we don't hear is thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving to God. Now, some will say, well, I thank God for my friends. And that's okay, but that's not the meaning of thanksgiving. Now, thanksgiving shows up 30 times in Scripture. And 73 times it talks about the giving of thanks. And so if you've got 103 times that it shows up, how many times in Scripture are people thank, thankful for their parents, thankful for their children, thankful for their spouse, thankful for their friends, thankful for their job, thankful for the military? And zero. Not that we aren't, we don't, not that we aren't thankful to God for their existence, but that's not the thanksgiving. The 103 times are always a thanksgiving to God. God is just thanked. In thanksgiving, we give him praise. We give him honor. We thank him, yes, for things, but it's to him. It's not, it's not for the others. It's to him. So to be thankful that you have friends is great. Thankful you have a job, mom, dad, spouse, kids, military. Yeah, we're glad that we have those things. But to whom do we give the thanks is the question. And we rarely hear that. Rarely hear that in any media splice dealing with, so what are you thankful for? 
So the question dictates the answer. What are you thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for this, blah, 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 blah. The question is never, who are you thankful? To whom are you thankful? That's the question. To whom are you thankful? And if you're not thankful to God, then our modern-day Thanksgiving doesn't mean jack. The Thanksgiving of old and the founding of our country, Plymouth Rock, that the whole story there, uh, like Joey Biden would say, oh, come on, you know the thing, when he couldn't uh, start the uh, preamble to the U.S. Constitution. But uh, they were thankful to God, to God. Yes, Squanto, the Indians, they helped out. Yes, they were glad for them. They were thankful. But the Thanksgiving wasn't to the Indians. It was to God. We've, we've lost that totally. And there's something else I want to share. I'm spending more time on this than I should, but I'm guessing there's a reason. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. And, and I don't even need to complete the passage, but that's in everything give thanks. And people will say, who want to be really, really thankful, give thanks to God for everything now. But it doesn't say, for everything give thanks. It says, in everything give thanks. It's in every situation that you would give thanks to God in that situation for God, but not for that situation. There's a big distinction here. You could give thanks in notwithstanding that you're Dietrich Bonhoeffer in prison in 1945, in April, I think, just before he got executed, you could give thanks to God in that situation, but not necessarily for that situation. There's a big difference. God is sovereign. You're going to have his, have his will, his way. You give him the thanksgiving in the situation. God, I don't know what's going on, but in this situation, I give you thanks. I'm not going to give you thanks. Not going to thank you for the death of my two-year-old child that got run over by a drunk driver. I'm not going to thank you for the fact that my wife died of breast cancer at age 28. But in that situation, you can give thanks. I hope that you get get the distinction. If you don't, then it's not your fault. I have failed. The troubling part in the Thanksgiving area, though, is comes out of, for me, 1 Timothy 2. It says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Well, <clears throat> if the ruler is Adolf Hitler, Idi Amin, Joseph Stalin, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, throw those guys in there. you would pray that God would move them to a confession of sin and, a, and a, a true repentance, a turning around of the way they think. But in giving of thanks for those in authority, why that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, if the ruler is not destined to honor godliness and honor 
honesty, nor to provide a quiet and peaceful life to those who are godly and are honest, then we're simply back to that other situation. We can thank God in that situation because even using that evil ruler, he's going to do something to the evil ruler. He's going to do something with you, being further refined, and me. Not necessarily for it, the situation, but in that situation. Okay, well, that's it. Let's move on to a couple of other things here. Uh, I just can't ignore this, even though it's Thanksgiving weekend. I am going to soften the topics this week. I try to do that, except for the next one. (laughs) I can't. I, I don't want to put it off any further, because now that we're talking about giving of thanks in the situation, not for the situation. Now that we've made that distinction, that plays into this piece. Are we giving thanks for those who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life and godliness and honesty? Does Joey Cornpop Biden uh, subscribe to that? Is he an honorable, peaceful, godly man who will honor that in others? Well, we have to thank God and be thankful in that situation. Nonetheless, that we are in, even though Joe Biden, his appropriate title is not commander-in-chief. It's pedophile-in-chief. The man is sick, sick to the core with a sin of a, of a lusting for young children that makes it very, very difficult to pray for him other than praying that maybe he'd step out in front of a speeding Kenworth. So the other day, Joey Cornpop notices this girl in the crowd. So he runs over there to tell her that he really likes her ears. Now, is this weird? No, it's beyond weird. Biden says, quote, I love your ears. I love them. They're really cool. What's your name? Catherine Biden What a beautiful name. That's my mommy's name. Well, nice to see. Now, how old are you? 17? Catherine says, six. Biden says, six. Six. Six years old, this little girl with apparently uh, provocative ears, Joe Biden thinks she's 17. Now, I'm going to speculate on something. Why would he think 17? Why would he? Maybe he just wants to hear that she's 17. And why? Because from under 17 is statutory rape. 17 and older, it's not statutory rape. How on earth could you confuse a 6-year-old with a 17-year-old? Is he really that old? No, he's really that sick. In essence, we have a president who's a creep. I would not let him around any grandchild. Get your children away from Joey pedophile-in-chief Biden. Well, so is that how he celebrates Christmas? Started lusting for some six-year-old girl? I love your ears, he says. Gosh. So that's, well, let's move on. 
It was just a couple of years ago, though, I was speaking to some military people in uh, Hampton, Virginia. He was looking toward the family that was being honored. And the family was, I don't even remember their name here, um, but he said to to the mother who was Brittany, I don't know the last name, he's uh, looking over there at her and then her children, he makes a comment without reference to a particular one. Now, Brittany's husband was been deployed, so she's there with the kids. She's on stage, and Biden turns toward Brittany and the rest of the children, and he said, I love those barrettes in your hair. Barrettes, I guess, yeah. Now, the reference was to the daughter, Margaret Catherine. So then Biden says, I'll tell you what. And he looks at her. She looks like she's 19, year old, 19 years old sitting there with those barrettes, like, this, like a little lady with her legs crossed. This is a creep, folks. This is an absolute creep. And then the other time, which just last year, I'm, I remember seeing this video. It gave me the creeps. He goes up to a young girl who obviously is not having much to do with him. He says, now, very important thing I told my daughters and granddaughters, you know, nobody gets serious until, until you're 30. Until you're 30 years old. And um, the, little, the girl uh, laughing nervously just says, um, I'll keep that in mind, while moving away from this perv. Oh, gosh. Guy makes me sick. Well, there is a... Uh, I don't even want to go there. All right, I said I'd soften it up. I had one rough story. That was it. Now we're going to do go to the soft topic of climate change. Yeah, we're going to cover this. But it seemed like the softest topic for a Thanksgiving weekend that still is very relevant and important and all the ways uh, that contemporary topics uh, could be relevant because it affects our daily life, our laws, our regulations, how much we pay in taxes, what we can do, our freedoms. And it is now the official religion, climate change, the official religion of this administration and the Obama administration as far as that goes. But it brings me back to something that I have to be thankful for. You know the song, uh, he's got the whole world in his hands, the whole world in his hands. He does. And that has to be an overarching, comforting thought when the one who's really in control of the world are not the climate alarmists, not the global warming maniacs, not the maniacals who have to find a way through this world and through this life apart from any obedience, deference, or recognition of God. As it says in Romans 1, you know, not even, not even recognizing them in their conscience anymore. Well, to get God out of your conscience, you have to put something else in his place. 
And this is where the whole climate change crapola comes up. And, you know, I got to thinking in the preparation for this, I've got a stack probably two and a half inches high of far side cartoons that I ripped off from far side calendars that I had over a period of, I don't know, 15, 18 years. And I got the books. I was a devotee of Gary Larson. But there's one in particular that I really liked that relates to this. And it shows this, the pictures of an elderly man, very old, hair, very long and gray, beard, gray, very long. And he's supposed to be God in this thing. And he's got the whole world in his hands. The imagery was obvious. He's got the whole, and he's fashioning the world, not speaking into existence, of course, in the cartoon, but he's fashioning with his hands. He's done. And then he reaches up on his shelf and he pulls down a can. And the caption says, just to make things interesting. And the can has written on it, jerks. And he is sprinkling jerks all over the world in different countries, jerks, just to make things interesting. <laughs> kind of a cynical uh, approach. But I, I thought it was funny. Obviously, I wouldn't have saved it if, it were, if I didn't think it was funny. But we have those who are just that. And that's kind of being kind. That's not even bringing in the fallen nature of man and sin. Larson just cuts it short. It comes down to, here. there's God and there's jerks. I guess good people and jerks. But uh, it, it just, it humored me to think, okay, all right, yes, there are jerks. Uh, in reality, there are people who cannot repent of their sins or will not repent of their sins and go to great, great lengths to find a substitute for God in that there is a refusal to acknowledge his sovereignty. And so something else has to be in charge, and that's man. And if man's in charge, then man's at fault for everything, and hence the whole global warming mantra. So, so with that, I'm going to launch into something I've covered before, but it's been some time, time to revisit it in the light of a couple of news stories, what the Bible says about climate change. Now, it does say something about climate change, but I'm going to leave you with that for just a second while I go through a couple of pieces here. Uh, one of them deals with uh, the fact that climate change, alleged climate change, if there has been any, which there really hasn't been, uh, is not the ill that people think that, they're, that, that it is. I mean, Schwarzenegger has come out and said, you know, we need to change the phrase climate change to just pollution. And now people will understand it and get it better. No, he won't. Uh, Schwarzenegger, you're not that smart. Big biceps, but not a big brain. I'm sorry. But in any case, the, the mantra that people are dying, people are dying, we're in crisis because of the climate change. Science shows that over the last 100 years, now here's real science, not political science, 
That's what the climate changing is about, is political science. Real science. Over the last 100 years, deaths related to climate have dropped, not increased, dropped 97%. 97%. And why? Because we have developed fossil fuels in a way and then with a speed and with an efficiency and an affordability to third world countries to not freeze to death like they used to. So the number of people by fossil fuels that have been saved by fossil fuels, the efficiency and affordability of their distribution, creation and distribution, by not freezing to death, absolutely dwarfs the alleged deaths from heat. Not even close. This comes from Judith Curry, a climatologist. Uh, she's published 140 scientific books and papers. She's on the faculty of Georgia Tech. And, you know, she's the real deal. She's not the AOC who's out there screaming people are dying, blah, blah, blah. Well, they're dying all the time, but there are more of them who have died from cold than from heat, AOC, who now has a new propaganda piece where it's going to be all over. Earth has until 2030 to avoid calamity. Do you know what the old date was with Al Gore? It was 2012. 11 years ago, it was over. 11 years ago, it was all over. Now, all they do, it's sort of like with evolution. When the evolutionary theory doesn't work to say, well, the earth is 5 million years old, it doesn't work. They then change it to 10 million years old, then 100 million, and now maybe uh, 500 million years old. They, they say, this is the truth. This is a science, and this is the truth. But we reserve the right to change our opinion. In other words, what was true before it wasn't a lie, but this is the real truth, and they just keep moving the they just keep moving the goalposts. They just keeps changing to fit their unbelief in a sovereign God, because there's just no way God could be involved in this. No way God could have created the earth. No way that He could have put together the seasons. But but we're going to be underwater in Santa Barbara by 2012. I remember doing this program and about 2010 with that Al Gore prediction. So what did he do? He turns around and buys his wife a house on the beachfront in Santa Barbara when it's supposed to be uh, underwater uh, a few years later. Good try. But you take that little twit, uh, Greta Thunberg, Thunberg, whatever. She's not a scientist, about 16, 17 years old, sometimes read from script, gets 24-7 media coverage. But Judith Curry, the one who speaks from knowledge, experience, definitely her education. Uh, a climatologist, 140 scientific books and papers. She claims and can prove it's a hoax. How much media coverage does she get? Zero. Because if people believed her, that upsets the global religion of climate change. And one other piece that I want to touch on here before we get to what the Bible says about climate change. Because there is something in there. There is, sort of. 
There's a prominent scientist here by the name of Patrick Brown, world-renowned Brown. He wrote recently that he had admitted, had admitted omitting all the truth from a climate study just in order to get it published. Now, this is no surprise. We know this happens. We just don't hear anybody actually admit it. They said, we're, I said, I, I can't get published if I publish all of the truth. Isn't that something? He said the... Uh, he said, we didn't, we didn't really blame the current issues on global warming, Curry said. Not really, but we did in the article. ClimateGate, which reveals so-called climate scientists concealing information. As one article here says, they're warping study results and bullying editors. And why does it happen? Funding. They don't get funded if they print the truth. That's right. It's the, the official religion, and so we need to call them deniers. Climate change deniers. We're going to call them. Let's flip the script here for a second. Well, I guess actually we're going to have to flip it on the other side of this break. I wasn't even paying any attention. Don't go away. This is Robin Walter with The Robin Walter Show. We'll be right back. The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to... Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway. Why there's not four of them, now I guess we know. It's not what you take when you leave this world behind you. It's what you leave behind you when you go. There are three wooden crosses on the right side. We are back. This is Robin Walter, The Robin Walter Show. Thank you, Randy Travis, for that great song. Thank you for letting me use it. We're talking just before the break about alleged climate change. And Patrick Brown, a climatologist renowned who has come out admitting having to falsify his articles, leaving certain things out. In other words, I can't tell the truth and get paid to do this. Quoting from... uh, Actually, where is this? Maybe from World Daily here. This little piece. He said, Brown stated that scientists hoping to advance their careers by getting published in leading journals are inclined to tailor their findings to align with the biases of the editors and the reviewers, a dynamic which distorts a great deal of climate science research. 
and misinforms the public and, most importantly, makes practical solutions more difficult to achieve. And so anybody that would challenge the global warming orthodoxy is labeled the climate change denier. You denier. It exists, and it, it could not possibly not exist. It exists, and you're denying it. But what I mentioned before the break was, what if we flipped the script? Instead of having government money that would be and uh, organizational money, non-governmental organization, NGOs, that throw out money to, de- to see what the connection is between um, our weather situation and uh man-made global warming. What if the, the script was flipped to say, here's the money to see if maybe there is no causal relationship between what we are thinking is a climatological change and the behavior uh, and lifestyles of people and animals. Let's see... Here's some money to see if maybe there isn't a connection. Guess what? The money drives the end game. The money would produce studies that say there is no meaningful causal connection between the behavior of mankind and whatever climatological anomalies we are experiencing. For, in fact... They actually are anomalies and not a new normal. The money. Follow the money. Now, then, and, and now what you would end up with is maybe you'd end up with a new kind of denier, right? In fact, why don't we just start using that same attack against Joey Cornpop, our pedophile and chief guy, B.O., Barack Obama, and all the other left-wing lackeys and hackies that, that occupy governmental offices and a lot of corporate boardrooms, why don't we start using terms like Biden laptop deniers, um, COVID vaccines kill deniers, um, Biden pervert deniers, how about Biden enrichment deniers? Biden is a senile, moronic, morally incompetent uh, denier. Biden is a liar denier. Liar denier. You know what? I mean, we had a big liar with Hillary Clinton. What was that thing? You know, liar, liar, pantsuit on fire. Now, why don't we have climate hoax deniers? Why don't we just fake flip the script? I mean, our government is known best for its fake information. The misinformation aren't those challenging the government. It's the government itself. I mean, we had fake data on COVID. We got fake data on climate change, formerly known as global warming. But since the planet is not uh, measurably warming, we've had to change it. We had fake data on back alley abortions to get Roe v. Wade passed. We got fake data on white hate crimes. Most hate crimes way, way disproportionately 
are perpetrated by blacks against whites. Absolute fact. But why don't? But that's fake data. Fake, fake data. Fake data. I mean, I got a stack of debunked stories about all sorts of these things. But that's uh, that's our government. So let's go to a biblical. You got a pen and or pencil and paper. Jot down a couple of things which I want to give you here regarding climate change, but I'm going to go back to the old global warming because that's where it started. B.O. himself at the uh, one of the very first State of the Union addresses, uh, I know, I know, global warming, it's a fact. Well, it was a fact until he quit change, until he quit calling it global warming because there wasn't, the, the planet wasn't warming. So, Later on, the State of the Union address was, I know, I know, there's no denying, climate change is a fact. Settled science. So settled that they had to change the name for what they were calling it. So I'm going to stick with the global warming because climate change means nothing without a global warming belief at its core. Otherwise, what is climate change, what does that mean? Well, why are the why did the uh, why did the uh, Canada geese migrate uh, two weeks later this year? Climate change, hurricanes in Florida, climate change. Why are chickens not laying quite the number of eggs that they used to? Climate change. It's the answer for everything, right? Well, wh- how is the climate changing that they get to that conclusion? They're stuck. They have to fall back to global warming. So I want to condense what I could probably do a whole hour on about man alleged anthropomorphic, i.e. man-made global warming. It's cited as the cause of all everything these days, worldwide flooding due to melting glaciers, ice packs, which along with the carbon dioxide, which of course comes out of our mouth when we breathe, this is all going to cause drought. It's going to cause famine. It's going to cause pestilence. And every time pestilence, drought, famine pop up, up up pops global warming. Now, if you consider the fact that if you take the wildfires in California, from uh, the old record, which I think was in San Diego, too. I don't know if the uh, Paradise, uh, that's not called the Paradise Fire. I forgot what the name of it was, but it's up in Paradise, California. We have some listeners up in that area. Thank you, you guys, for listening. I'd like to get to Paradise. Well, I'd like to get to the eternal Paradise <laughs> first. Well, no, I mean, eventually. Someday I'd like to see uh, Paradise, California. But the fact is that these wildfires in California, the, the notable larger wildfires, produce, this is a fact, this is science, not political science, produces more carbon dioxide than all of the cars and all of the trucks in the entire United States in an entire year. That's right. I mean, hundreds, actually it's not hundreds, it's, th- it's now... 14 or 1,600 
scientists and meteorologists are able, uh, capably able to refute so many of the global warming assumptions. Um, but sadly, a lot of Christians, frankly, have bought into this lie, and for one reason only, uh, they're not a... F- uh, well, no, there could be two reasons. One, they don't want to be ostracized. They don't want to look crazy. They don't want to be on the outside. They don't want to be marginalized. They don't want to look like an outlier. Uh, they just go along to get along. The other one is uh, being destroyed for a lack of knowledge, which is from the Word. But the Word of God is clear about several things related to alleged global warming. If you start with Genesis 8.22, we talked earlier about he's got the whole world in his hands. I'm still back to giving thanks to God in our present situation, not for our situation, but in our situation, I give thanks to God for his promise of Genesis 8.22. The promise was for all of civilization, for all time. Got that? All of civilization, forever. That he said that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, Winter and summer, day and night, shall not cease. Now, there are temporary dislocations, but the big picture for the world is that the seasons won't materially change. They will continue to produce food, seed time and harvest. It's going to continue. Elsewhere in Scripture, it says that God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He is a loving God where his creation, yeah, we're fallen, we've screwed it up. But it doesn't mean he's quit loving us. And one act of his love, manifestation of his love, I guess it should be, is the fact that he's provided rain, seed time, and harvest, and seasons to bring forth certain things because he has provided for mankind. Notwithstanding, mankind's entire lack of thanksgiving. Well, interesting, since the climate alarmists blame every drought, every famine, every pestilence on climate change, famine is mentioned 98 times in the Bible and pestilence 49 times. And these are the only times that God has deemed it significant to tell us about so there are no doubt other things, other occurrence. But the point is that they have been happening since the beginning of time, which leads us to some interesting and difficult triggering alternative conclusions for the climate alarmists. If famine, let's use famine. If famine is a unique result of global warming, then we have apparently had many, many global warmings over thousands of years, none of which had anything to do with man-made emissions to produce an abundance of famines. Or, alternatively, just maybe global warming wasn't the cause of all the previous famines, which means it may well not be the cause of any present-day famine. Now, the same will apply to pestilence, mentioned 49 times in Scripture. Either global warming is just one of many things that could bring about pestilence, 
are alternatively all of the historical examples were the result of global warming that had nothing to do with man. Nothing to do with man, if that's the cause. You can't have it both ways. That is, unless Abraham's camels um, flunked a smog test for methane emissions um, a really long time ago. Not in every case, but in many cases, famine, drought, pestilence, and scripture is a result of sin. And the sin was never, never, never man's alleged abuse of the planet. As global warming alarmists would define sin or anything else related to the climate. I mean, if there are three quick examples. You can jot these down if you want. Second Samuel twenty four thirteen. Uh, Jeremiah thirty eight two. Um, I'm sorry. You know, there's a two. I got two. I said three. There's two. That famine and pestilence would God promise to those Israelites who refused to exile to Babylon. That was the one from Jeremiah uh, thirty eight two. But there are four scriptures that make it emphatically clear that the level of the oceans, the first defining consequence of alleged climate change, four that has the four scripture make emphatically clear that God has ordained those consequences, not man, and no one can alter his edicts. So, scripturally speaking, man-made global warming cannot cause the ocean levels to rise unless God has somehow permitted it, but he doesn't because he's reserved that to himself. These Write down these four, these four passages. I'll give you a couple of them, but I'm running out of time. Psalm 104.9. Psalm 104.9, write that one down, which, um, which says, You, Lord, have set a boundary that they, the waters, may not pass over. It doesn't say, uh, God set the boundaries unless man screws it up and then he's going to flood Miami Beach with melting glaciers. No, God sets a boundary that the waters may not pass over. Now, the next one is even more informative, Proverbs 8. 29. Proverbs 8.29 makes a statement, The Lord has assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters may not transgress His command. His command. Yeah, man can screw up the planet. We've been messing it up for years, different ways. But the fact of the matter is where the sea reaches the shore, is assigned by God, and nothing that, and He has assigned it, and no one can transgress His command. His command. Two others, which um, I'm running short here, uh, but write them down, read them for yourself, so that you aren't destroyed for lack of knowledge. You won't be destroyed, but you're not going to buy the climate alarmist hocus pocus crapola, which is being force fed. Uh, on all sorts of college students and now high school and junior high students who now are having sleep difficulties worrying about the end of civilization if they don't hurry up and do something 
about climate change. When the warning about not doing about something about climate change having catastrophic results was made so long ago that the timeline was before some of these kids were even born. Some of these kids' birth survived the catastrophic date claimed by Al Gore and his minions many years ago. But those other two verses are Jeremiah 5.22, Job, uh, Jeremiah 5.22, Job 38, 8 through 11. And I have a couple more that I didn't, I didn't jot down here. But I'll tell you what, if you come across anything else that would absolutely categorically deny the existence of man-made global warming without God's participation, actually without his command, because that's what Job or Proverbs 8.29 says, send it to me, redskyradio777 at gmail.com, redskyradio777 at gmail.com, or robinwaltershow at gmail.com. Now, I don't want to leave this topic without stating that there is a biblical global warming. There is. People say, is global warming in the Bible? I've just told you that global warming will, does not occur by man. Whatever is going to happen is something dictated by God. But there is a global warming. And it's set forth in Second Peter 3.10. And that is when the earth is melted with a fervent heat. That's right. So there is a global warming thing. But it's still got, now it is distinctly God who is dictating the conclusion. And it occurs in a matter of moments. And ironically, this is the, um, let's just say, the inconvenient truth that escaped Al Gore and a whole bunch of others. Hell, if it's in the if it's in fact in the center of the earth, there's a warming there, right? The lake of fire. Whoa. So maybe the effort in trying to understand what there is about warming, global warming, and which does not exist. Yeah, we are going through a heat. We had the hottest summer I ever recall here in Arizona. But hey, I haven't been around that long. I mean, we've had ups and downs. It was in the 1970s. I got a picture of it, the 1970s um, Time magazine that was warning, warning everyone about the coming, near coming to a town near you, Ice Age. A new Ice Age, Time magazine. They get it wrong? Sure they did. Why they get it wrong? Well, I'm right back to the same thing. Genesis 8.22. That while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. God said it, therefore I believe it. And the issue is fundamentally settled. Let's make this part of science understandable in that it can only be true science if it comports with God's Word. The alleged scientific analysis does not dictate the interpretation of God's Word. 
God's Word dictates the interpretation of the science. We should never forget that. Or the fact that, yes, indeed, while Satan is the prince of the power of the air, the earth is created for the glory of God. Yes, in that sense, he does have the whole world in his hands. And yes, there are there are some jerks out there. Um, there are quite a few jerks. They seem to be multiplying at a very rapid rate. But nonetheless, we've been called upon to do one thing, and that is to be faithful, to obey his word, to share it with people. And I am thankful to God in the situation that we're in, not for our situation, but in our situation. I am thankful to him that he has caused you and you and you and you and you and you and me and a whole bunch of others to be on this earth at just such a time as this. Because if we weren't up to the task of dealing with this, if we weren't up to the task of being able to hold up against an onslaught of nonsense, and as Scripture says, science loosely so-called, that's actually in the Bible. If we weren't able to stand up to that, we would not be here now. God would have created us in a previous age or something, if we created it at all. Well, I know Rob, Robin, he's just not going to be able to hold up here. He's going to collapse. He's going to fall. He's going to falter and cave in and compromise and go along with the world and float downstream on everything. No, you know what? Uh, what is the point of life if that's a conclusion? No, the fact is that because you are here, we all are living in an Esther time and an Esther moment. How do we know but what God has not created us for just such a time as this? As Mordecai said to Esther, stand up, girl. What Mordecai basically was saying to her was, cowgirl up. We live in a cowboy town here. It's a common expression. Cowgirl up. Just get up, girl. Do what you're called to do, what you're supposed to do, what you have the ability to do. But maybe you're lacking the guts to do it for the moment. But overcome that. You've been created for just such a time as this. And if you weren't, then you are no longer part of the way. You're just plain in the way. But I have better thoughts and hopes for you, as I do for my loved ones who are kind of flailing in some places and compromising. That God being a God of a second chance on this day and weekend of Thanksgiving, that we can thank him, that he will restore us, that he is on our side that he, with only one of us, forms a majority in any situation. That's right. You don't need 5,000 of your fake friends to be on your side. You just need God. He will see you through, over, through, around, on top. However it comes out, you will be rewarded and he will be glorified. And in that, you can give thanksgiving to God, not just on this weekend, but every day of the year, that not for what you for what's happening, but in the situation, He will be glorified, 
and ask Him to use you in the most magnificent way possible. God bless you all. Remember, sit tall in the saddle, America. Ride for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ.